Good morning. Would you pray with me? The Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A little over a year ago, 60 Minutes correspondent Laura Logan traveled to northern Iraq and visited a number of Christians who call this war-torn region home. As you can likely imagine, their stories are absolutely incredible. In one interview, a woman explains that when ISIS entered our town, they told us you've got three days to leave. Otherwise, you'll have to pay a tax, convert, or die by the sword. Another man, a father and husband of two, describes the way in which they marked his home with the Arabic letter Nun, which stands for Nasara or Nazarene. And he said, it's because we follow Jesus. As I watched this program, I, I expected stories like this. The stories about gut-wrenching, horrific stories. Yet what I didn't expect was this sense of hope, joy, and utter determination that many Iraqi Christians have. And one interview uh, struck me in particular. You see, about halfway into the program, Logan interviews a man named Nicodemus. He's an archbishop in the Syriac Orthodox Church. He fled Mosul just under two years ago and now lives about 50 miles away in the Kurdish capital of Erbil. You can tell that Nicodemus remembers that day vividly. I only had five minutes to gather my things, he says. So I took several books that are very old. One thing permeates his entire interview. No matter what happens, God is with him. And it's with that sense of joy and hope and determination that Nicodemus tells the viewers of 60 Minutes, they took everything from us. But they can't take the God from our hearts. I mean, you can just tell that the resurrection, the presence of the risen Christ changes everything for him. And that's the message that he shares with people like you and me. And that's the same message that we encounter today in the book of Revelation, John's message of hope and comfort and assurance to Christians everywhere. Now, if you're John, a lot's happened since that first Easter all those years ago. I mean, you remember the joy and excitement of coming to the empty tomb and then the way in which Jesus visits you behind locked doors on the beach. For 40 days, it seems like there's nothing that he can't do. And as time passes, you become a leader in the church. Paul calls you one of its three great pillars. It's a real honor to be sure, but things aren't always easy. You see, about a decade after the resurrection, uh, your brother, James, is martyred. He's put to death by the sword. And that's a faith that's shared by many of your fellow apostles. I mean, Paul is beheaded in Rome. Peter is crucified upside down. But you see, the resurrection... The presence of the risen Christ changes everything. And so even though they threaten your lives, they can't take the God from your hearts. Now, by some miracle, you're not killed during Nero's mid-century persecutions. About 14 years after his death, you're exiled to the island of Patmos. It's about 50 miles off of Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey. And while it means hard labor for you in the mines, your sentence permits you this time to write. And that's a good thing, because the churches of Asia Minor have been asking a lot of questions. 
You see, Emperor Domitian has recently established this custom. He's instructed all Roman subjects to address him with an additional title, Dominus et Deus. It means Lord and God. And this creates a problem because Domitian's not your Lord and God. Jesus is, and that challenges the Christians of Asia Minor because confessing Christ now means treason. I mean, it's often meant harassment, sometimes persecution, but but never treason like this. And so that's why these churches begin corresponding with you because they're wondering what it means for them. What if it divides my family? One man asks his pastor. Another woman wonders, should I tell my neighbor? What if she turns me in? But the real elephant in the room is that this makes every Christian guilty of a crime that's punishable by death. And so with three little words, Domitian fuels this age-old temptation to ignore or abandon Jesus. Well, for many students in the area, the past weeks meant one thing, spring break. And so over the course of the past week, uh, if you're a student or maybe have a student in your home, uh, then it's likely meant uh, sleeping in late or staying up to all hours of the night, maybe getting together with friends and perhaps even avoiding homework uh, until later this afternoon. But you see, this past week's also uh, involved a dilemma. Uh, for at least one family, I know. See, their son's uh, an athlete, uh, a pretty good one at that, and his, his parents like to encourage him whenever possible. And so that's why they were eager to support his team's spring break training, even when it meant going away to camp, because like most parents I know, they want what's best for their children. You know, a little over a week ago, uh, this created a problem for their family because their son would be gone during Good Friday and, and Easter. And as I spoke with them, I could sense the real tension that this caused. I mean, they want to support their son's athletic ambitions, uh, but they also want to worship together as a family. I mean, they, they want their son's faith to matter. And so as they told me about their situation, I, I could hear them wrestling with this dilemma that was playing out. I mean, Will Jesus understand if he misses Easter? You know, the the answer is, of course he will. But it's not going to make him care any less. And I imagine uh, that's a dilemma that many of us face each and every day. I mean, when you're out to lunch and a friend of yours is bad-mouthing Christians, what do you do? Or when your adult children don't make the faith a priority for your grandkids, what do you say? Or when you're falling in love and discover that your significant other isn't a Christian, what what does it mean? You know, all of a sudden, in situations like these and so many more, we, we face that dilemma that unfolds before us. Will Jesus understand? The answer is, of course he will. I mean, Jesus always understands. But it doesn't make him care any less. And so while our circumstances are are so different from those first Christians in Asia Minor, while they're, they're completely different from the Christians in northern Iraq, you know, we're all familiar with that temptation, the, the temptation to ignore or abandon Jesus. And and that's why the book of Revelation is also written to us. Well, two years ago, 
I, uh, I taught a course at Common Ground called Explaining All the Scary Stuff in the Book of Revelation. I was hoping to do a, a high-level overview of the book, and I'll never forget uh, preparing for that very first lesson. I, I cracked open my Lutheran study Bible, I flipped to the book of Revelation, and then in the study notes I read this, study other books first. <laughs> it was like the first piece of information they give you. You're like, what would I do now? But you see, it gave that advice because the book of Revelation, it's a tough nut to crack. And it's not to say that it's impossible to understand. It's just to say that it involves a lot of symbolic language, language that comes from the Old Testament. Yet behind that language is the very simple message that the resurrection, the presence of the risen Christ, changes everything. And that's the message that we encounter in today's reading. You see, it starts with this introduction to the book. We learn that John's on the island of Patmos when he receives this vision from God. Now he's told to write it down and send it to seven churches in Asia Minor. And this is the beginning of that vision. John sees the Son of Man. And he's standing among these seven lampstands. He's wearing a long robe and a golden sash. He's got white hair and flaming eyes. His feet are made of burnished bronze, and out of his mouth comes this long two-edged sword. And you know, when you read it, it kind of makes sense why they would advise you to study other books first. (laughs) Yet, you see, behind this language is is a picture of, of who Jesus is. See, Jesus is the Son of Man, and he's full of divine wisdom. That's why he's got a long robe and and white hair, and his eyes, they, they look at us like no other eyes can. His feet are strong and powerful, like burnished bronze, and that sword that comes out of his mouth, the, the Word of God, has the ability to penetrate even the hardest of hearts. I mean, that's who Jesus is. And his promise is this, I'm standing in your midst because those seven lampstands, those seven lampstands are the churches, the the people of God, the place from which my word goes out to the entire world. So do not be afraid, Jesus says. I'm the living one. I've conquered death, and you can trust me when I say that it won't conquer you. And so when the Christians of Asia Minor wonder, well, how should we follow Jesus? Or what's next? They know that there's nothing to fear, because even though they face real problems that often lack simple answers, the risen Christ says to them, I'm with you. We're in this together. And that's the same promise uh, that Jesus makes to each and every one of us. He promises that I'm with you. And so if you've ever wondered, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to stand up for your faith? What does it mean to protect the hurting and the homeless? Jesus assures you that there's nothing to fear, not even death, because he's the living one. He was dead, but now he lives forever. And, you know, while that uh, doesn't always mean that life's going to be easy or that there's simple answers to life's problems, 
What it does mean is that Jesus' promise remains the same from age to age. I'm with you. You see, that's what we remember on this second Sunday of Easter, that that the resurrection, the presence of the risen Christ changes everything. I mean, it changes everything for John and the apostles, for those first Christians in Asia Minor. It changes everything for the people who are persecuted around the world. And it changes everything for ordinary people like you and me. Because no matter who you are or what you do, no matter what challenge you face, Jesus enables you to face it with the strength of the one who's conquered even death. And so may he be with you this day and all the days that follow. Amen. And may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.